This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. Well, I don't know why I'm on this show, but um, maybe it's going to be the end of Waiting for Review. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. This is going to be the highlight of your career, Daryl. <laughs> it could be, yeah. yeah. Everything's downhill from here now. Yeah, I mean, we kind of don't have much of a plan, really. We just thought it'd be cool to catch up with you, really, because I think it's... Yeah. We've both been on your show separately, mm. on and off, over the last, what, 18 months? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time since we've all actually sort of gotten together, really, because we both came mm. on your show... Mm. Cracky, when was that? I think it was last April. 2017. It's a while ago now. Yeah, about last April. Was it before I left the UK? No. It wasn't, was you it? You were no. in New Zealand, I think. Mm. yeah yeah so um yeah kind of woefully unprepared in a way but i figured we could just all have a chat and see where it goes and uh, yeah. sure we can salvage a podcast from it somewhere yeah. <laughs> hopefully yeah. yeah i'll just ride the wave of you two it's fine <laughs> talk me through this this picture you've got a minute um before we get stuck in you've got a dreamcast what's yeah. on top of what's above the dreamcast That's, is that the mega drive 2 yeah it's the mega drive 2 and a sega cd that's what it is i was going to say oh, what's that yes. thing on the side yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been wrapped up for years in my parents' attic, and I thought, now's the time to finally bring it out and just have it out. And I had no idea that I had Sonic CD and Earthworm Jim with it, so that's going to be played later. That's brilliant. That's that's not the CDX, though, right? No. That was something no. else. Yeah, it had this weird like add-on cartridge called a 32X, where it would, apparently, in inverted commas, add 32-bit graphics, and it didn't really... Um, yeah, they tried, but it just didn't work at all. Oh, no, I, n- I never uh, never really came across it in real life. It was always kind of a coveted sort of thing. Yeah, I think it only lasts uh, like 18 months. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even know the Mega Drive 2 was a thing Like when I was a kid. I had absolutely no idea it existed. My parents got me the Mega Drive 1, I mm. guess what would be called the Genesis in, in the USA. I had no idea the, the the two existed. I didn't even know the SNES or the NES were a thing. So I, I never even had that conflict of, you know, am I, am I a Nintendo guy or a Sega guy? It's just like, I just thought the Mega Drive was it. That was just the thing everyone had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember my cousin had a SNES and because I had a Game Boy as well with the Mega Drive. So I, I grew up with kind of like Kirby and Mario Land and stuff and it's amazing games. And because I had a, a magazine subscription to, it was called Games Master Magazine. I was able to kind of like see what else was there before the internet existed. I mean, it was just magazines I kept up on. Um, so I was aware mm. of it, but I just knew that it was either going to be Mega Drive or Nintendo. And of course, you know, Sonic won out. So <laughs> I remember wasting far too many hours on Desert Strike. I used to love that game. Yeah. Oh, so good. I need to get that. What was the other one? Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. That was, that oh was, yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah, that's in there. The new game is Sonic Mania. It's a bonus game. It's amazing on the Switch. Nostalgia's powerful. <laughs> it's a powerful <laughs> it, force. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, you just have to look at my setup and um, you just know. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Now you think like we've got things like Apple Arcade that you know just mm. give us instant access to to gaming. Um, yeah, um, you know, what it used to be like having to go to the shop, spend mm. what was it thirty nine ninety nine on a semi-respectable ps2 game back in the day yeah about that yeah yeah i mean adjust that for inflation and think about what that might actually be now yeah as well i sort of feel like um i feel like games were probably more expensive back then yeah like relatively yeah i remember that i remember when like the n64 came out and almost every game was like minimum 45 quid and then of course the magic number of 49.99 and i used to think oh that must be like means it's it's really good and it's it's really expansive and much more powerful than playstation and it's like no no it's not (laughs) there's a few games on the n64 (laughs) that worked but i think a lot of them um didn't really work and it was cardboard as well and cartridges and it's like oh no 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 really (laughs) <laughs> Which was like declared the winner of that generation, like PS1 and 64? Oh, it was PlayStation. Yeah. yeah. Really? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was really down to kind of the CD-ROMs because um, there was a, a backstory of the kind of like Square when, you know, they were riding high on Final Fantasy VI and they were looking to make Final Fantasy VII and they almost were going to make it on the N64. But because the cartridges were so expensive to make, they couldn't make like a lot of like full motion video FMVs on the cartridges. So they pretty much turned to Sony and said, look, we're thinking of doing this. What do you think? And Sony was like, well, here's a truckload of money. Here's Final Fantasy VII. Go for it. And that's kind of where it all began. That's why 
it, it moved from Final Fantasy on the SNES to completely avoiding it on the N64 because FMV was so expansive and you could fit it onto a CD. Whereas cartridges, I mean, they mm. barely made any money on them. It was insane. And it's why a lot of third-party games didn't come onto it either. Um, it's like EA. Even then, they were big, but you never saw the games on there. There was um, a whole new generation of piracy as well mm. with the CD-ROMs. Yes. was the other thing that sort of came in. Yes, I um, have uh, experience of that, yes. <laughs> is that, was that when you'd get, like, chipped consoles? Yeah. Yeah, and um, with the Dreamcast, of course, it was easy to to just kind of pirate. I don't think it had much protection on it at all. That was bypassed quite quickly. Mm. Um, and I seem to remember that was the big deal, um, sort of amongst my friends at the time. It was kind of like, you know, get a Dreamcast, because also we've got, you know, early kind of cable modems and decent connections, and we're downloading all these games. Mm. Um, and then within, like, the first year, the, the Dreamcast was kind of dead, wasn't it, really? It didn't really last that long. No, such a um, shame. And I, I th- yeah, but I think part of that was, was because of that. Mm. Uh, yeah so yeah and also it's because of dvd really i mean if it had dvd compatibility i think it would have really kind of lasted a lot longer but when the ps2 came out they said oh it can play dvds and like a a way of having a dvd player in your front room at that price if i think it was 2.99 you couldn't go wrong especially when you had like say tekken on it gran turismo it it just killed it (laughs) it really did have you tried apple arcade you know what? I haven't yet. I literally haven't had time in this last five, six weeks. It's been ridiculous. This is the only thing I've been wanting to try, and I just haven't. I've been so behind on everything. It's been ridiculous. I haven't been able to finish my part two of iPadOS. I haven't been able to um, kind of record a few more episodes of Pal Keys, even though I've got a, a pal of them still. Um, I'm hoping to in the next week. Hoping to. Hmm, that's interesting. I um, fired it up on the Apple TV the other night and started the trial. Ah. Ah. Um, I don't... I wouldn't say I'm disappointed, but I, I think it's just kind of highlighted to me that I'm just not much of a gamer these days. Mm, yeah. Um, like I've tried various different games. I've tried the... I heard about Mario Kart coming to iOS. Yes. And kind of through that, I heard about the four ninety nine a month subscription. Right. And I think, I forget what podcast I was listening to, and, and the kind of the argument was, oh, well, why would you pay four ninety nine a month for one game when you can pay that for Apple Arcade? Mm. An Apple Arcade contains yeah. Sonic um, Racing, yeah, which is basically Mario Kart. And I thought, oh, okay, that's a good point. That would be mm. the first game I check out, and um, it was kind of awful. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I couldn't yeah. even get on the. I couldn't even get in a race to start with. It kept um, throwing up a little box that like had IP addresses in it, saying your session has expired. You need to restart. And this oh, no. and like, but, I, but I just want to do a practice run. I don't want to go online or do a match or anything like that. Um, wow. And what I didn't realise is, is that the game actually does all the accelerating for you, so you just kind of steer. Yeah, I don't like those games. I just so yeah, no. this is like this is not a Mario Kart, you know, replacement at all. So no, I still may have to get. I, I've got a soft spot for Mario Kart, so I may have to um, dive into that at some point. Yeah, I mean, it looks fun. Um, I think if you just kind of avoid like the in-app purchase of, of Mario Kart Tour, then you're gonna have a good time. But I've seen screens on Twitter where they're charging like five quid, ten quid for these little power-ups, which don't really do much, and uh, it's mm-hmm. a bit kind of a shame that Nintendo are kind of going that way because, unfortunately, Super Mario Run a couple of years ago it didn't work out, even though it's really fun. It just didn't work, so they're kind of going through this um, yeah. in-app purchase idea. So, but the thing is, it was weird because. Um, so me and Lauren went to see Russell Howard last week in Nottingham. And as I was, well, we were just waiting for him to come on. I, I was just kind of looking at, because I'm weird like this. I just kind of look at what other people are doing on their phones like around me, just like out of curiosity. <laughs> and a lot of them were playing Mario Kart. And I was really surprised because there were so many people. And every time a, a box came up f- to buy stuff with, they just would dismiss it, keep playing it. So there is like kind of a pull there. It's, there's an appeal, but... I kind of feel like with Apple Arcade, um, I think it's kind of a wait and see on this, really. Because I think with the Sonic thing you mentioned, Dave, I feel like that mm-hmm. was a rush job to put it on Apple Arcade because it's got this whiff, I think, of That's, putting it on. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, I've, I've heard that they were going to launch it separately and mm. then they kind of ripped all of the in-app purchase stuff out as best they could mm. to put it in the arcade instead. 
yeah. it does feel odd on the Apple TV. I've noticed. I think it was Sonic Arcade was the first one I noticed it with, and other games since. Is that mm. it? Kind of feels like they've been grafted onto the Apple TV. Mm. In the I um you know when it throws up like the main menu, and I, I wanted to go like down to the second option, so I pressed down down on like the keypad or the D pad. Mm. Um, doesn't work like that. It was actually like a little circle cursor that you move around, which I guess kind of simulates touching like you would touch yeah. it on an iPad or we, and that just felt odd to me it's kind of felt a bit like oh you haven't really really considered the Apple TV as as its own device you've just kind of shoved it on there and this is some kind of layer that you put on just to make it work but I don't know for, yeah. for me the appeal mostly with Apple Arcade is on the Apple TV because I've got the, um, uh, the is it the Steel Series controller like the made for yeah. iPhone yeah I've got that so it works really well um, uh. and for me I can kind of see myself using it more just quite casually in the evenings just to kind of fill 10 or 15 minutes on the Apple TV. Yeah, sure. So I think that's going to be my primary experience of it. I haven't, I haven't even tried anything on the phones or the iPad yet. Um, I don't even know if my iPad no. Air would be up to it, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a bone of contention in my household because my boys um, are using our older devices that can't run iOS 13. Right. Um, except one of them one of them can. There's an iPad Mini 4 and that's that's got the arcade on it. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of uh, not equally distributed among the kids, but the Apple TV having it kind of offsets that. Yeah. And what we were hoping for was maybe there could be some nice two-player games, mm. and they're few and far between. Um, I guess just because the platform's not been thought about in that sort of a way. Um, you know, normally you're playing solo on an iPhone, Hmm. Um, and so multiplayer is all approached through those sort of means, you know, through Game Center and playing with other people online if it happens at all. Hmm. Um, so there's very sort of few kind of split screen type games or anything like that. Um, so I'm hopeful we see more of that in the future because my boys would love it. Yeah. But, you know, and on, a, on an Apple TV, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it does. It's a strange thing, really, because the thing is with Apple and games, it's been like a really weird like up and down story with those two things. Because, I mean, years ago, there was a big thing about Steam coming to macOS. Um, I think it was yeah. maybe Snow Leopard, perhaps, Lion, and Half-Life 2. 2006, seven time? Yeah, no, longer maybe. Than longer, that. yeah. Longer than that, because that's when the Intel switch happened. Yeah. So we're talking probably closer to 2010. Yeah. Um. I remember Portal being one of those games that was sort of the flagship that I remember when Steam actually did come to macOS. Mm, yeah, yeah. And that's a strange thing because ever since then, it always feels like Apple have thought of games as an afterthought, really. I mean, I remember like reading somewhere where they were trying to angle the iPod Touch because they were kind of stuck thinking, well, how do we market this? And the first bits of marketing that you saw was, oh, it's a gaming device. So, okay, right, fair enough. And this was the first gen iPod Touch. And from that, you thought, okay, that that makes sense. But it does feel like ever since that Apple have not really had a good grasp of, like, how to manage the games. And then when in-app purchases came in with, I think it was maybe iPhone OS 3, perhaps, with in-app purchases. I could be wrong. Three or four. Yeah. Yeah, it feels about right. Yeah, and ever since then, it's kind of a bit been a bit of an afterthought and then game center came along with ios 4 and then unfortunately that disappeared and now it's kind of come back in a sense but i don't think it has as well which is weird um which i'm really yeah. surprised about actually because when they demoed apple arcade at the iphone events i not to sound like a downer here but i felt like they couldn't have pitched it worse because they had frogger <laughs> for 20 minutes <laughs> i'm like of all the games you yeah. could have shown and it's this and I thought, but you've you've said that you're supporting DualShock 4 and Xbox, so why not just have that showing on a Apple TV playing maybe um, like yeah. What the Golf or something else, showing how that works, and also showing like better Game Center integration, so like friend invites and maybe like screenshotting and replays, and have that you know a bit of Xbox Live in there, but nothing as yet, which I'm surprised at. So maybe we'll see that next year, yeah, the- but. The, the, the whole of it, the like the holistic experience, mm. is kind of sort of felt missing from that presentation. I think yeah. it, it's kind of the, the feel I've got from what you're saying, and I felt that too. Yeah. Um, because yeah, if it had demos of all those bits and demos of controllers, sort of, you know, more actively in in use, um, that that would have showed it off a bit better. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think 
it's funny you said about oh no frogger um because my my youngest got up and watched the um keynote with me and bear in mind it sort of starts at like five in the morning here right um he yeah he kind of stumbled out of bed 10 minutes or so after i started watching it i was like i want to watch it with you daddy um and when frogger was on he he took a lot of notice <laughs> he's 10 years old and he was like i really want to play that that's what i want i want i want the arcade to play that and that's that's played out since that's the mm. game they fight over on the ipad mini <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's so an interesting one we, that's a really interesting point because then you think well are apple kind of like doing that towards that age range really because you know it's yeah. is it going to be towards parents who are going to be paying for apple arcade because we're not going to be seeing like resident evil 2 remake on apple arcade we're not going to be seeing this no. so it makes you think are they just kind of aiming it towards that instead is that why frogger was there aim it towards the kids more so than ever because you know definitely in this day and age nostalgia is a very powerful thing we've had the mega drive mini come out yep. whether the snares mini come out maybe the n64 perhaps next year hopefully but it seems like they're riding on the wave of oh let's just aim frogger for the kids and maybe see how that goes perhaps yeah i think so and i, th- I can kind of see this um the apple arcade selling itself mm. as sort of being the thing that's like okay it's five bucks a month um you know and and you can give this to your kids and there's lots of safe games in there and it's not nagging you for in app purchases and then if you're a parent who's probably been you know nagged by proxy through your kids for in-app purchases mm. then you might sort of look and go well i spent like maybe 10 15 last month on all these other bits yeah let's just buy that and it's kind of it's a problem solved mm. so i could sort of see it kind of occupying that space mm. yeah uh, which, which if it does that's great you know, but I think um, as a parent who would also like to pick up a controller and, and have a blast on the Apple TV, I want a few more bits for me as well. Yeah, yeah. It feels like they've almost got all the ingredients for a games console. Yeah, yes. It's just it's not quite there. Like you mm. said, that holistic element is kind of missing. It it doesn't feel it feels a bit jarring um, when you look at it as a whole. Mm. But if you think about it, they've got all they've got their A series chips, so they're making their own silicon. Yeah. They've got distribution. They've now got controller support. They've got developers on side. Um, it's like why why isn't there a games console from them at this point? It's almost like I mean, nothing's easier than a, like another engineer's problem. But it almost seems like it would be no effort at all to just kind of poop out a games console at this point and call it like I Apple th- Arcade, even. <laughs> <laughs> I you think know, put, it put, is. Put the A13 in it and HDMI output and, you know, controller support, good, boom, we're done. But I don't, maybe I'm looking at it too simplistically. But I, I think you're, you're on there because I think their services side is the console. Because Apple Arcade, I mean, the thing is, right, I'm of the opinion, slightly going off on a tangent here, as I normally do with my shows. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but the thing is with the Apple TV is, I kind of think that we're seeing the end of the Apple TV hardware. I think we're going to see Apple TV be just as services. So we're going to see it on the Samsung TVs like we are already, but we're going to see Apple TV yeah. on other devices. And then eventually, maybe next year, we're going to see another app for Apple Arcade instead. So you turn on your Samsung TV and boom, straight there, Apple Arcade syncs up with what you've done before on the other OS, iOS devices and you're just resuming where you left off. Ooh. I think that could happen. I, I don't think it will. Really? I really don't think it will. Yeah, for the number one reason that the... Um, the means that Apple have, have kind of got for making sure that Apple Arcade happens across all their devices is because it's running on their operating systems. And when um, AirPlay has now been sort of distributed to, to those other TVs, it, it's actually running on essentially an Android setup. Mm. And the Apple TV app is its own sort of thing embedded. So for them to sort of ship Apple Arcade as well, would kind of mean they'd need to wrap up the, an entire OS, like the TV OS, and then distribute that um, to, to those devices. And I just don't think Apple sort of want to be in that space. Unless they streamed it. I think they would. I think they would. Because the thing is, if you're paying for something for four ninety nine a month, and they're going to make the effort to make sure it works on a device. Yeah, because even like with just the Apple TV Plus app, I mean, they've got to like kind of, Take into factor, you know, the codecs, the you know, the quality of the video, the screen sizes for every TV that's on this. And I feel like if they package it into this, then 
it's going to just open up another opportunity for someone to go, you know what, I could play this on an iPad now. Give me an iPad. So I think there's an opportunity there. I can't help but feel like there's something there. Oh, I, I suspect the play will be um, be more like if they were able to operate the games in the cloud. Yeah. Um, and then you're, you're essentially literally streaming it to that device. Yeah. Um, then I could see that being sort of the play. It's interesting you say that. When I started browsing the Apple Arcade app on the Apple TV, I saw a game. I thought, great, I want to play that. And then it was like, download and i got the little wheel download wheel up and i was like oh i've got to download mm. the games mm. i think my i've just been like conditioned almost to expect when i see like a, an all you can eat kind of offering you know like here's a library of stuff you have access to all of it my instant reaction is well of course you stream it mm. but the fact that it had to download to my apple tv first it was kind of a bit like oh i have to wait for it to download now and that just felt weird mm. and of course i understand why it has to download it's totally reasonable but it does feel like inevitably it, it probably could be streamed eventually. And like mm. I said, that would then open up the, yeah. the door to you know, the Samsung TV having an Apple Arcade app um, or an LG or, or whatever. Um, mm. Yeah, at that point the hardware becomes kind of irrelevant because you're talking about a, a video stream. Um, and as long as you've got the, the means of you know, decoding that quickly um, mm. and then some other arrangement to sort of send back the controls... Mm. Um, then you know you're good. I'm grossly oversimplifying it. There's a lot more going on there than that, I'm sure. But um, you know you don't need a whole console to do that, and you need a lot less uh, grunt because all of that graphics processing is going on elsewhere and then being streamed to you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if they're at that point when they sort of hit that point, and we're talking about games in the cloud, mm. absolutely, almost any TV that can be a smart TV should be able to hook into that mm, yeah that'd be good i mean to be honest i mean i'm just as you've seen from the picture i'm just more of a retro guy anyway so i mean just to have maybe split screen competitive play of mario kart for instance or maybe street fighter or something on the apple arcade i think it would be amazing you know yeah. just to have those like pair up a dual shock 4 and fire up street fighter 2 be great on apple arcade especially if it's online as well i mean I've, god knows i've done it so much on the switch why not on apple arcade yeah, absolutely. We, that, that's the sort of gaming experience that we would love in our household. Mm. There's, there's two Xbox controllers out there ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And that's been the problem with the Xbox One is that for my boys, a lot of the games are just not really the sort of thing that they're uh, of an age to be playing or even that kind of fit their personalities either. Mm. You know, like, like my, my kids both sort of look at the games that are available and it's like, well, I like the Lego ones, but those are a bit violent. Yeah. Uh, like not the Lego, but the other ones that are sat alongside them, and, and so there, there's not a lot there for them with the Xbox, and it sits there kind of gathering dust a lot um, until the next Lego game sort of comes out. Are you on Games Pass? No, no, no. We're there's not. A, quite a few games there that you probably they'll, they'll like. I mean, like say Rares and library games like Banjo Kazooie and that. That would be a few good games for them um, because you're just paying seven. I think it's seven quid a month, and you've got access to over yeah. two hundred games, and a lot of them are backwards compatible as well. We should talk about your watch, Daryl. Ah, oh, yes, this watch. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> How is it? How's the battery, more importantly? Because I've been hearing lots of stories about battery life. Is that is that the case for you? Have you, have you been spared that? Um, it's a weird one because, I mean, because I, I upgraded from a zero to a five. So I've been used anyway for it to run down to 10% after 12 hours anyway. So I've been looking at it last week. I'm like... Oh, this is normal then. I'm I'm fine. I'm happy with it. You know, cause, so I've never been used to like longer battery life, um, which is <laughs> a bizarre thing to say. But yeah, I'm. I've been noticing it when I've kind of switched the always display on, always on display, on. Even that's a weird thing to say. And so when I switch it off, and um, I get maybe I'm at forty percent after twelve hours. Um, I mean, even now I'm at yeah. So yeah, 40% when the always-on display is on, and then when it's off, maybe 10% more. So I've been, you know, I've been reading the, the tweets and listening to a fair few podcasts, and I think it is software, really. I think that's really what it is. Something's happened, I think, because we all know that it's been a bit of a shit show with all these releases that they've done um, <laughs> this year, really. And I think they've missed this part out, unfortunately. So I think... You know, it's just one of those things. But I'm happy with it. You know, like I say, I've gone from a zero to a five and I'm just happy I can actually use WatchOS 6 now, which is great. 
<laughs> I think I must have the best battery in the world inside my Series Zero, because I'm just checking now. I've had this watch on since quarter to eight this morning. It's now mm. quarter past six in the evening, and I'm on 63%. Yeah, that's decent. I mean, either I'm not using this watch at all, and it's just sat there ticking over all day. So it's over four years old, and wow. I haven't had a single complaint with battery. It's never let me down. I've never had the, you're on 10% left, and do you want to put it into this low-power mode? It, it's... It's fine. I see that every day on my Series Zero. <laughs> every day, every day, around about probably half six, seven o'clock at night. So what are you doing that, that I'm not? I don't understand. Really <laughs> unsure, because I don't feel like I've got that many apps or anything on there that I even use. It's a, a notification and a, a now playing device for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I get Slack notifications all day long from like you guys, if you start talking in the Slack. Hmm. Um, you know, my watch will go ding, 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 ding. Um I get texts, I get, you know, all, all, all that stuff. And, yeah, like you say, I kind of use it as a now-playing device, sometimes adjust the volume of my AirPods. But yeah, I'm not doing workouts or anything, so my, I thought that's maybe what it was, because it doesn't work out, strain the battery quite badly or something. Because it obviously... Yeah, but only while you're using mm. it, so... Hmm. strange. Oh, well. I'm, I'm <laughs> keeping this one for a while, but that way until the battery starts playing up. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is good battery. Oh, it must be cool, though, getting onto the latest watch. I mean, from... From zero to series five, that must be that must be incredible. Like the, the speed is probably the biggest thing, right? Yeah, it, it's crazy just how I can just switch between watch faces and there's no lag or anything, and it's ridiculous. Just uh, even the amount of watch faces I can make now, and even with the bigger screen size as well. I mean, that's really what kind of caught my eye first of all. The fact that I've got that what was it called the um, the infograph watch face. It's just ridiculous yep. just how, how much is going on. I've got, like I said, the sound measurement, which is going, the compass, because um, I need a compass, obviously. Um, obviously. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, you know, I've got, like, Carrot on it as well, and Siri's actually speaking as well. It's it's amazing just how much of a difference it is, with, like, between my uh, my Zero. Because, like you, Dave, I just used to have it as notifications and the odd Apple Pay, and that's it. You know, and I'd have the activity watch face on it all the time. So now, with all these like different features, I mean, I'm loving it. It's just amazing just how much I can do on it now. And I'm always measuring my um, my heart rate as well with the ECG. That's just really just ridiculously good. I'm just resting my finger on the crown and, oh, it's um, saying I've got, you know, 80 <laughs> BPM, um, no chance of a heart attack. It's like, great, thank you. And that's it, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And I'm still getting used to it. But yeah, I'm very happy with it at the minute and yeah i'm just um yeah at the minute it's a great upgrade and there are a few things which have kind of caught my eye thinking could have done a bit better on that but apart from that i'm happy but i will say the cellular really confuses me it, i i don't know when it's on i don't know when it's connected and i don't know when it's actually being used as well i'm really confused by it still Education as to what's going on with that no, no, because when I draw up Control Center, uh, it's it's showing the mobile data icon, but it shows it in white. And I was confused because I thought it was showing it in green when it was using it anyway. So like before, I did a test of just kind of putting my phone in airplane mode completely, making sure it's not connected, going onto my watch, turning off Wi-Fi, going to the mobile data and making sure that it's on. And even then it was saying disconnected. I'm like, oh, okay, that's strange surely it would do it so i thought okay i'll try an app so i went to the app store and lo and behold nothing loaded oh okay that's again odd switch it off and on still the same thing so um, okay so the only thing i can put it down to is maybe a bug for watch west 6 i don't know but it's very odd at the minute and i'm very confused as to what's connected what isn't and also independent apps as well i don't know which ones are independent which is very confusing at the moment. So, um, yeah, lack of clarity at the minute. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about the the, uh, the ECG thing. That's, um, I mean, I know it came out on the Series 4, but that still blows my mind that that's, that's a feature in, in a wristwatch. Um, yeah, yeah. Hits quite close to home as well, because my dad got, he had heart trouble um, in 2011-12, and the amount of times that his heart would start racing, and, yeah, it was terrifying for him mm. and for us, frankly. Um, yeah. It was like, why, why is my heart doing this? And it's like, don't know. Um, the doctor, bring the doctor, the doctor would say, right, come up to the surgery. So one of us would drive him up, and you guarantee as soon as he walks through the GP's door, his heart goes back to normal. Yeah. 
and and the reason he was going there was to be strapped into their ECG machine. Mm. And you know, I know the watches aren't obviously they're not up to what you get in kind of big hospitals and things like that with their equipment, but it's something. You know, he could have just yeah. shown the doctor that, and the doctor could have gleaned something from it, even factoring in that this isn't like my big thousands of pounds worth of machinery I've got here for this big ECG in the, in the surgery, but mm. I can work with this. Um, yeah. And do you think it would give enough kind of peace of mind as well to maybe judge when to make that trip or not a little differently? I think so, yeah. And also, um, after the heart surgery he ended up having, um, he went into AF quite a lot, which is also what the watch detects. And obviously just coming home from hospital after major heart surgery, mm. then your heart starts going crazy. It's like, oh no. <laughs> you know? um, mm. Of course, the ambulance turns up. They're like, oh, don't worry, it's just AF. Um, no big deal kind of thing, but we'll get you checked out. Um, you know the watch could have just come up being hey you're in AF and it's like oh great That's, it's kind of it's like a almost like a guardian isn't it it's kind of like look at, looking mm. out for you and I love that about the watch and I know a lot of this stuff came in at series 4 so kind of rehashing it now with series 5 but it's still um, yeah it still, still blows my mind really mm. I think the next big thing is going to be um, probably something you know like the diabetes kind of blood sugar monitoring like non-invasively I think that yeah, that'd be awesome. That would be so yeah. good if they could. That'd be such a contribution to like the world if they can pull that one off. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Just to have like maybe smart bands that would actually kind of measure more accurately your your pulse and your diabetes as well, like across your wrist instead of just the watch face. That'd be really great to see. And uh, I think mm. that's the next thing, really. But to be honest, I mean, the thing is, I mean. The reason why I'm keeping this watch and why I've upgraded now is because like 18 months ago, as you both know, I mean, I had a major anxiety attack when I was in my full-time job, but it kind of made me rethink a lot of things. And during this, when I was wearing the watch, it would pretty much like ring off every half an hour that my heart rate was high all the time. And I'd like to measure it through this, you know, this app. And I just thought, well, that's just amazing because it's letting me know that something clearly isn't right, you know, and I've got high stress and this is the reason why. And that's the reason why I'm still wearing the watch and why I've upgraded now because of this more accurate heart rate, you know, with the ECG. So if I'm kind of even feeling a slight form of anxiety, I'll make sure to put my finger on the crown to make sure whether I've got a higher heart rate or even a low one, because that can happen as well. So it's really great. And that's really the main reason why I'm still wearing this, because it's it, it really kind of gave me an insight as to how I was feeling 18 months ago. So I really owe it a lot for that, to be honest. Not to get too deep here, but, you know, that's um, really why I'm still wearing the watch, really. And I hope there's going to be even more coming soon. Yeah, I mean, just the heart rate tax come on leaps and bounds from zero to, to five. Um, mm. You're just going to be feeling so many different upgrades, aren't you? Across so many different yeah. areas of the watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Just even like just the design of it, it's it's it does feel lighter. And I'm not bullshitting there. It really does feel like it's a lighter watch and it's thinner. And it's amazing because I've got the stainless steel black and it's just it's amazing just how it almost like with the screen it kind of seeps into the to the sides of the watch, if that makes sense. It's almost like it's yep. kind of wrapped around it, which is really nice. And so, like you say, I've got like the benefits of say, like a always hearing Siri, you know, I've got the compass, which I actually really like. A lot of people have ridiculed it, but I really like it because <laughs> um, I'm weird like that. Um, got the, like I say, the sound measurement, which is fantastic. And even like the walkie talkie. Um, so I tried to set it up with a few people and there was one guy, a Natty from Bring Your End Device who hosts with Greg. He tried to yeah. set up and finally we did it. And it was amazing. And just doing walkie-talkie. And um, there was someone I know who, who <laughs> works at uh, my old phone shop. And like, <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of like just go and go, um, Roger, I can see someone um, who was a bit shady walking into the store. Roger, Roger. And she, she got it when she was serving someone. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a bit dodgy. But yeah, it's, it's really just amazing just how much I'm still discovering really as well. And even the workout, that's something I never thought I'd use. Because I'm, I'm a big walker, so I'll walk anywhere I can. So I was walking to town yesterday and forgot to put on the workout. And it just gave me a tap going, oh, I can see you're walking. Do you want me to switch on workout? It's like, yeah, okay. And already, it's already registered for the last 10 minutes of me walking and everything brilliant. there. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, and I love it. It's, And I'm doing it all the time now. It's brilliant. It's um it's so smart that it just knows like when I'm doing this, I'm amazed by that constantly. And then of course I've got the waterproof features from series one, two, I think where it all think it, there's water in it. So I'm now having to rotate the crown to push the water out. 
that's just blew oh, my mind yeah 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 totally forgot about that but yeah that's great so yeah i'm i'm every day i'm 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 trying to use something new and every day it's just kind of amazing me just what's on this watch now so far it's it's pretty mad so basically you've got every feature ever from every single apple watch keynote since yeah. the series zero because every year they come out with oh we've got all this great stuff you've basically had all of that rolled into one upgrade <laughs> that's really cool. yeah 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 and yeah. uh it's it is amazing i'm trying to wrap my head around the podcasting at the minute actually that's something that's really kind of um baffling me um this is one of the detriments i have to say because so i use overcast a lot with my podcast the main one i just prefer it over apple podcasts and i thought michael Armand had a, an independent app with overcast already but i found out that he doesn't he's having a hard time with this overcast app on the watch so i thought i'd try out the apple podcast app and that is just a mind meld of a Rubik's Cube wrapped into an Enigma, which I, I can't still understand how to sync podcasts to the watch. Um, it's, <laughs> it's pretty mad. And when I found out about um, another app called Outcast, it's where you can go on the, app, on the watch app, download a podcast, but it's so slow. <laughs> it, it downloads like a 70 meg episode of something in half an hour on cellular. I'm thinking that can't be right, but it does. It sound good. Yeah, so um, when I read up about that as well, it turns out it's a normal thing. I'm like, oh, okay, right. So, um, yeah. Is that because it's so sort of battery intensive to sort of spin up the cellular radios that it kind of throttles, do you think? I mean, maybe, but I thought for something like this, when it's measuring everything else, I thought surely it can download a 17 meg file like in five minutes easily on, on 4G cellular, which I'm not... You would think. Yeah, I'm very confused about that. So, um, yeah, and then just shut the cellular down again, right? Yeah, short control burst kind of thing, and then yeah, I have heard it's very, very aggressive forever. in like throttling cellular just because mm. of the battery drain it it brings with it. Yeah, so maybe there is something right. there. Maybe very puzzled, very puzzled. But there is a lot of I think opportunity here because I feel like. Now with Series 5, they've kind of met like a certain milestone for it now. I think this is the watch that they were aiming for. I think not from Zero, because I think there are some missteps there. I think it's Series 1, where they know they were working towards something and this is it. So I kind of feel like next year we'll probably see maybe a maybe an overhaul of a software, because there is some work to do there, I think. I think the Honeycomb app thing is a bit of a mess. Um, I think podcasting needs work. I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. I, and I think there's a... No, the, yeah. the, the circles, so I have that kind of tryptophobia thing Yeah, um, to a, a very low level, but they're enough to just make me kind of go, Ugh, no, okay, <laughs> could we have a different... So I put it on the list mode and that's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a weird one. And I'm always in... I will beat this drum until it actually appears because now I've got iPad OS. I'm totally happy, as you both well know. And <laughs> now, what I want to see next is some kind of, you know, relationship between the Apple Watch and the iPad. I mean, why am I not seeing the battery of my Apple Watch on the iPad on the battery widget? I don't know why I'm not. Why? Why? Why, why Dave's? I don't know why. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> why is it not an activity widget? Why can't I create a, a watch face? on a full-screen iPad app with a pencil. Why can't I do that? I, I, I wish I had an answer for you, Daryl, but oh. I do thank you for giving us a segue into talking about iPad OS. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you finding it? Because I guess you obviously you've, you've been running the betas, right, ever since... Day one. <laughs> Day one. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Really? Yeah. yeah. Brave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was... Um, relatively excited when i saw ipad os being announced because i've been banging the drum on this for i think two years now and i thought oh maybe maybe i should just stop talking about this and maybe move on to something else maybe do a podcast about maybe i don't know radio 4 i don't know you know i don't know um but yeah they announced it and i couldn't believe it um i mean it was spoiled a little bit before i remember um on the dev center but um yeah I, i couldn't believe it i mean i've got the multitasking is amazing. Um, you know, just the fact that I finally got external storage, so I can easily, you know, load up my my films, on my hard drive into Infuse and just drag and drop it in there without using any of my iTunes terrible method with my MacBook Air now, which is slowly dying even more. Um, I'm just amazed. At- have you have you used that very much then the the hard drive? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. I've got a little adapter, um, USB-C to USB-3, and I just plug it in into files, recognizes it. I go into my movies folder. I'll um, select which ones I want, have another files window open in split screen, which has Infuse already there. I'll drag and drop it in. I'll open Infuse and my list of movies that I've already selected are there. Off you go. Yeah, so easy now. So much easier. Brilliant. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) I really do (laughs) love it right now. It's um, it's a good time. And I also love the fact that, you know, I can use my um, DualShock as well with with certain games now. It's, It's brilliant. And Safari is, weirdly enough, my most favorite feature of iPadOS. The fact that it's a desktop Safari and a download manager now as well. It's amazing. It is definitely becoming its own thing, isn't it? And it's, mm. you know, it's good to see. I, th- I think I think kind of one of my favourite features of, of iPadOS, and, and I say this as someone that's... I can't even run iPadOS. I mean, I've, my newest iPad is an iPad Air 1, so I'm, you know, I, I can't get it, um, although that may be subject to change in the future if I perhaps get, get a newer iPad. But I think the thing I like is um, the sidecar feature. I think that's going to be so awesome. And I think that kind of speaks to... To where I would like to see iPad and macOS kind of go in the future because yeah. I know we kind of joke with each other like you know I'm sort of into the Mac you're into the iPad and we sort of jive on Twitter and stuff but actually <laughs> if you put the jokes to one side I, I want to see I don't, I don't like this kind of narrative of you know the iPad will replace the Mac and then all the yeah. Mac people are like no the iPad is rubbish and you know I want to see both platforms kind of moving together sort of yeah. in concert and I think yeah. Sidecar represents that and I want to see more of that. I think that's going to be really good because I, mm. I love the idea of having I don't know something like Affinity Designer or Photoshop or whatever open, and then chucking it to the iPad, and then making good use of that pencil, and then chucking mm. that file back to the Mac again to carry on. That could be an awesome workflow. Mm. Yeah, mm. no, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of um, of opportunity there, really, with Sidecar, and also with Catalyst as well. I mean, we really haven't heard a lot of Catalysts. Um, ever since WWDC really and nothing on any other you know um, podcast as well I feel like a lot of people are kind of waiting now to see how Catalyst works out um, until next year is that next year's dub dub but yeah it's, it's fantastic now that you're seeing iPads work well with macOS now and like you say I mean I think that could work great with Xcode I mean just have maybe you know something work there perhaps um, you know I think more so with a 12.9 inch really and um, with Sidecar yeah. that could work really well um, yeah. But, yeah, I could see the opportunity there to um, to maybe have because uh, with Swift UI you can have live previews of uh, of the UI that you're developing, mm. and I could see the opportunity to have that sort of showing on my on my iPad mm. um, in a sort of sidecar kind of esque yeah. way. You know, as I'm developing out on my main screen, you know, just shift everything of, of that preview over to the iPad. Mm. Um, and then have the iPad sat on the desk in front of me and, and just, you know, move between the two in that sort of way. I could see that. Um, and the potential there as well for them to sort of think a little bit more about what that sort of preview is as well. Because mm. if I can tap things, for example, on on the iPad and have some sort of level of, of basic um, interaction and the flow that you're developing between screens mm. um, on the device then again that would be another game changer because you get that kind of speed of feedback of what you're developing yeah. without having to compile the entire app and wait for it to get sent to the device mm. uh, so yeah could be a, a big big changer and i think that sort of that that type of working together is how this could end up being really really powerful you know for for almost any um any kind of creative or development sort of orientated task mm. on the Mac or on, on the iPad. Mm. Um, if you can leverage both sets of hardware at the same time, it's, yeah, a game changer. Yeah. Am I right yeah. in thinking that you have to start the sidecar experience from the Mac in that you can't kind yeah. of yeah. summon it from the iPad? That's right, yeah. I think so, yes. That would be a yeah. change I'd love to see. Mm. I mean, imagine you're kind of sat on your couch and you load up Xcode on the iPad that then kind of summons your work from the Mac. Mm. Because otherwise you've got to go up to the Mac and then turn it on and then start sidecar. And then you're sort of free to go about with the iPad. I think having it, having it be able to start from the iPad could be quite powerful. 
that could be quite a critical missing piece there that I, I feel um, <laughs> you know who knows probably dub dub next year will get it but that just seems like an obvious kind of omission to me at the minute I feel like there's a lot of foundation here for the future now because with yeah. iPadOS, I mean, we've got a lot of features that a lot of people are asking for. And they've also, I mean, this was pretty much kind of two years in the making because, you know, everyone knows now that a lot of features were delayed 18 months ago, which brought into this release. So we've kind of got like a bumper release really of two for one for this now. And I feel like now with the foundation, I mean, I think we are on our way now to seeing professional apps appear on the iPad now, maybe early as next year. I wouldn't be surprised if we if we see Final Cut really on the iPad now. And, you know, Apple are aware that people like making podcasts. So to have that as its own app on the iPad, I mean, you only have to look at Ferrite to see how well that is. That's going to be an amazing thing to have. But also, like I say with Catalyst, I do feel like that also opens the foundation for a kind of Xcode to be on the iPad as well. I don't know how. I mean, I'm definitely not an expert in this, but I feel like there's an opportunity there to do that as well. Um, whether they'll just maybe start it as maybe, oh, I don't know, throwing this out there, maybe a, maybe just as to make a watch app perhaps for a start on iPad and then you can develop it and that's it. And then even the year after, then they'll expand it to iPhone and iPad perhaps for Xcode and iPad, I don't know. I could see them offering a simplified experience for sure. Yeah, you know, some um, something that is somewhere between playgrounds and, and what Xcode is on the Mac. I could see them kind of offering something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it kind of feels like it's probably waiting for uh, actually waiting for a situation though where the entire Mac app could sort of become catalyst driven. Mm. Um, so. I kind of feel like maybe we're going to wait a little while for that. Um, but, you know, it's possible now. That, that's the mm. thing. The, the, these technologies are enablers. Um, they're, they're things that just open doors and then you've got to wait for that development and that time, um, and, you know, for the for the company to walk through that door, as it were. Mm. Um, and we're sort of seeing a bit of that kind of play out. I, I've certainly seen um, people chattering over on Twitter about, um, have you got a Catalyst app ready to go? You know, people sort of swapping notes on what they've been up to and that sort of thing. So there is a little bit coming from the developer community mm. um, about using this, mm. um, but it's still quite early days. You know, it's the one or two people have done a few bits. I think um, it's probably quite a decision uh, for a company to sort of go all in on it yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Um, but if you were thinking of bringing something to iOS anyway... And then if you were thinking of maybe refactoring, overhauling your main app on macOS, there's this sort of like convergence of going, well, we get two for one for the effort. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I think we're going to see more um, sort of professional apps come across from macOS to the iPad because of this. Mm. Um, probably much less a sort of movement of iOS going to, to the Mac in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and then And then again besides all that this sort of convergence kind of space where it's well the next big version of this type of app then comes out on both platforms yeah you know just just because of the way the effort kind of gets gets played out so yeah i'm looking forward to it i sort of think that we've got maybe like you said an, another year um before we sort of really see all the fruits of this kind of sort of starts come through yeah um, and it's going to be a bit of a, a drib and a drab, you know. I think we're going to get all the, the smaller Catalyst apps kind of from when Catalina launches to Christmas time, say. Mm. As you know, those, those developers that kind of jumped on it early have their apps ready and they sort of go out. And then the more involved apps are probably going to lag behind by a few months. Mm. Yeah. Uh, as, as a guess, yeah. um, I'm, I may be wrong. You know, some places might have been working on this hard out. Uh, for the last few months and they're just ready to ship immediately uh it's interesting but, uh, uh, hearing you guys talk about catalyst because i remember going into wwdc it was all about marzipan which yeah. is now catalyst and then right yep. after that they talk about swift ui and then i just forgot all about catalyst at that point you know the thing i was most excited about for the whole conference it was like wow this is all about swift ui now um yep so i'd be really interested to to, to sort of know like What's the breakdown? Developers that are planning to do either Catalyst or Swift UI, what's the breakdown between the two? Are more developers going to take the Swift UI route or are mm. more going to do the Catalyst route? 
It's a weird thing, actually, because six months ago, you were hard-pressed to find a podcast that wasn't talking about marzipan, really. It was everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, except yours. But the thing is, you know, it, everywhere was talking about an arm-powered MacBook, marzipan, and it's going to change everything at DubDub. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. And I was getting sick of it. Not yours, but I was getting sick of a few of those. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, Christ, it's going to be a full DubDub of, you know, um, marzipan. And it wasn't. And I feel like a lot of podcasts out there have kind of realized like, oh, no, we've actually talked about this too much. We've put too much of our eggs in this basket. And um, I think that there's a hole in the basket and the eggs have fallen through. So now no no <laughs> one's talking about it. I think they're waiting until um, Catalina ships and the Mac Pro actually gets a release date. And then we hear about what's happening. So I think that's what's going on at the minute. And... I think Apple know that it's a long-term thing for them. They're not just going to announce it in one sweep like podcasts thought they would. This is going to be like a two, three-year project, which we know it is. You know, I mean, we read that Mark Gurman post, oh, I think a year ago, where they said, you know, it's going to be iPad first and then iPhone. And then we're going to be seeing these apps work like concurrently with one another. So I think we're in the midst next year of seeing something big. But I think with the ARM MacBook, I don't think that's next year. I could see it maybe being as maybe the year after, really, to be honest. I, I don't see it as a, as something that they have to announce because you've got an iPad, no. you know, you've got something that's amazingly powerful with a 12.9 inch iPad. They might announce a new one next month, at a, perhaps October event with a certain MacBook that's being announced maybe as well. I don't know if anyone's interested in that, but I don't Never know. Heard of it. <laughs> no, no, Never I don't know. It. Not, not, no idea what this is. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't think, um, we we should kind of like think um catalyst is going to change everything at the moment i think we just have kind of have to step back and just see how these os's are kind of benefiting everyone now and i feel to be honest i'm not being biased i feel like watch os and ipad os are the ones to look out for at the moment and i think then perhaps we'll then look at catalyst and see how it benefits everyone else what are you expecting from this uh, rumored october event are you expecting new ipad pros I hope not. I want to keep this for as long as I can. <laughs> I well, we don't have to buy the new iPad Pro, but it'd be cool if one existed, I guess. I mean, it would, but I have no hold back with these iPads, Dave. Um, if anyone gets announced, I will probably get it. I will just take it. Um, so, yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, I think what we'll probably see, I think we'll see new AirPods um, because they've already kind of leaked a little glyph haven't they with the in-ear yeah. airpods so i think we'll see those i'm kind of holding on for those i am too um, actually yeah it does kind of match up with some previous leaks that came out of a factory so yeah. all that all ties together i think yeah yeah i think we'll see the release date for the mac pro at last we might see new watch bands perhaps for the autumn winter range um we might see those um yeah, good call and um, maybe with maybe watchOS 6.1 or 2. I'm hoping you watch faces because I said on Twitter a few days ago, I mean, I was flicking through and I saw Toy Story and I thought I really want to see Star Wars ones. And I think that'd be great to kind of tie it in with a new film coming. See like Kylo Ren and a watch face animated. That'd be great. Um, probably won't happen, but I hope. <laughs> um, see, I thought the Mac Pro was going to get announced or released during September. I'm sure I heard that somewhere and it just never, nothing ever came of it. I mean, I, I did do a tweet about hoping that we'll see a release date for the Mac Pro. But then again, in the same tweet, I said there would be an iPhone Pro with a USB-C port. So I was totally wrong on that. Totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what would you expect to see if they were, if they were to announce a new iPad Pro? What, mm. from, from your point of view, someone that already has the current gen iPad Pro, what, what would you want them to do to it? The thing is, with the hardware, we're, we're pretty much there now. I mean, I, I used to say that we're waiting for the software to catch up, and I think we're almost there now. We're, we're waiting to see what else they can do now with this foundation of iPadOS. I mean, with the hardware, it's... I th the thing is, I think we could see a bigger iPad. I think that's possible now. I think I can see that. I mean, you only have to look at maybe the... A 16-inch, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's possible. And I feel like there could be a future iPadOS version where it better supports multiple displays. So you could hook it up to a TV and it's not going to be that 4 by 3 aspect. It's going to oh, be native, yeah. you know. I think that could work with with later iPads. Um, I mean, I, I saw like a, a mock-up of a, what, what was it, like a three-camera iPad? And I thought, who in their right mind is going to use Deep Fusion on that? 
why why are you going to do that you know <laughs> I, I only surprise used, you i think <laughs> i only used it for scanning documents on the rare of times so um I, I don't know i mean maybe um different apple pencil models because i think with accessibility you know a lot of people kind of can struggle with um certain pencils so maybe have it in smaller sizes bigger sizes thicker sizes with the pencil that could work perhaps with the new models uh maybe bigger storage sizes especially now um with everything ipad os can do i could see it maybe being instead you know just 256 512 one terabyte and maybe even two terabyte i think we could see that now and maybe even um an actual photoshop for ipad debut because they demoed it a year ago and we haven't heard anything oh, from it yeah so that's a good point i'd almost yeah. forgotten about that yeah yeah i'm surprised i didn't show it i had yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't i thought they would show it at least at the iphone event when we were talking about ipad os but nothing it was just frogger and that was it <laughs> <laughs> frogger pro might be a thing frogger pro. <laughs> <laughs> ipad pro frogger edition <laughs> yeah so i guess you're just kind of thinking very incremental kind of you know the a13x bigger battery because i i do i do agree with you it seemed like last year the hardware was just so good Mm. but like I said the glaring omission was the software yeah. um, I, I say I remember podcasting in the field review at like when it was three degrees celsius like shivering, oh, memories talking talking <laughs> memories talk, talking to Chris about it and um it yeah but the thing we kept coming back to is just like this hardware is great we just need the software to allow it to be to be as great as it can be yeah um it definitely feels like we're on on that track now of ipad os so I'd like to see like better peripherals to be honest I'd like to see better keyboards for it because I, I don't like the keyboard case that came with the yeah. iPads. So to have maybe, when you're on the store perhaps, you've got the Magic Keyboard, have the smaller variant, and not only have it in my wishful thinking of black, but also have the function keys for iPadOS as well. So you can switch between it when you're at the checkout screen and then have it tailored to iPad and then have that also as an iPad case and also in different colours. Why not have that as well for the future iPad models? That could be quite cool. Yeah, yeah It's hard to disagree. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of interested to see what they bring out um not least because you know i, I guess i am in in the market ish for an ipad um <laughs> i know I've, i know i've been talking a lot about this 16 inch macbook but the other week i did think well maybe a 13 inch macbook pro which i guess would probably see a, a refresh at this october event you know mm. with new 10th gen um yeah. intel chips you know one of those plus maybe an 11 inch ipad pro i'd probably have change from what this 16 inch would likely cost yeah, yeah. With both yeah. of those. And I just kind of, it's just an idea that's been floating around in my head. Um, just keep coming back to it over and over again. Um, <laughs> I'll have to wait and see. I mean, if this 16 inch comes out and, and, and they're like, and it starts at thirty five ninety nine, that would be the point where I'm like, nope. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> give, no. Give me an iPad and a 13 inch MacBook, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's a, the thing is, Dave, I have to ask, I mean, what is it that appeals to you about this mythical 16 inch MacBook Pro? I mean, what is it that makes you think, I want this. What is it? Uh, it's, it's just having this kind of giant sort of like battleship laptop that appeals to me. Yeah, like okay. this, the, that, that level of power that is still portable. I really, really love the, the way the screen works with the iPhone X in the way that it kind of floods into the corners of the device. So right. much so now if I pick up a, an iPhone 8 Plus or an 8, it just feels jarring to me how, yeah. how disconnected the screen feels from the overall form of the device. Mm. And now when I look at Mac laptops, I can't help but feel the same way. Yeah. And it's clear to me, especially when with that uh, leak, or not leak, the the link you sent me on Twitter the other day with that um, <laughs> API documentation about the, the safe area that's now supported yeah. in Catalina, which clearly means we're going to get a laptop that's got curved edges on, you know, curved corners. Mm. Um, I've missed that. Oh, right. So, you know, the, oh, uh, seen that. the, the safe area... Um, I forget what it's called now. Yeah. On, on iOS, you the, call, you know, layout give, give, yeah, give me the safe area. Um, mm. If you go and look at the API docs now, it says that Catalina now supports that same uh, method. So it's like, why, why would Catalina need that? I wonder if it only supports it through um, Catalyst, though. Oh, yeah. Don't know. That, that, that might, I don't know if that will be the case or not. That might be the, where it makes the most sense. But to me, it's like, well, this is to accommodate the 16-inch MacBook that's going to have is going to need some kind of safe safe area presumably that's true do you think there'll be face id on this macbook 
I mean, I think it makes total sense. Um, mm. Whether they do or not, I don't know. I mean, they better mm. not put a, a flipping notch in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, I don't think they'd need to. I'm thinking more like iPad Pro style of... Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that kind of thing. Yeah, I can't I can't wait. I, I, I think even if it ends up being too expensive and it's like, you know what, this is ridiculous, it's far too much money for what it for what it actually means to me, then I'm still going to be uh, you know, really excited to see what it is, even if I, it turns out to be something that I you know, I can't afford or don't feel it's worth, worth buying. I'm interested to see what kind of processors we get. I think, weirdly, we're going to end up with the same CPUs that are currently out in the 15-inch MacBooks. Um, mm. Although if it's in a bigger chassis that can cool itself better, it still may give better performance. So, yeah, yeah just just really curious to see what what it turns out to be. Like, what what's the keyboard going to be? Is it going to have any USB A ports? Is it going to have a, an SD mm. card slot? What about the touch battery bar? life? Battery life. What about the touch bar? Mm. Are they going to ditch it? Are they going to make it better? Is it still going to have the Touch ID thing on it? If it's got Face ID, is it going to have both? If it doesn't have Touch ID, that's more real estate for the Touch bar. Is it going to have a physical escape key alongside the touch? All these questions I don't have answers to, and I'm just fascinated to see see how they answer those for me. Touch bar is an interesting one because I've never gotten along with the touch bar. Every time I tried one out, and I feel like it would be better suited if it was kind of like the length of. Uh, I don't know if you you both have it on your uh, Macs at the moment, but kind of like where it reaches from to, from the right of the power button up to maybe the volume keys. Maybe like kind of that size of a touch bar instead. So like a little mini one, if that makes sense. A little tiny one. Yeah, a little like customizable little, you know, like three inch wide thing. And the rest is just um, normal function keys and escape key. You see, the thing that gets me with the 15 inch MacBook Pro, the current one, if you look at it, there's a huge amount of space between the top of the touch bar and the chassis, the edge of the chassis. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to me, that's just like, presumably the 16 inch is going to be, you know, just a touch bigger. Um, I, I did some kind of you know back of the napkin kind of math um, to work out what the what the chassis size is likely to be to accommodate the screen, um, mm. and it will. I think it will need to be just a touch bigger. So it stands to reason you're going to have even more space above the above the top of the touch bar in in its current form. So could the touch bar become bigger? Could it change somehow? I I, I don't know. Um, but these are all questions that I, I just can't wait to, to get answers to. Um, it's it's going to be fascinating to watch it. Unless it adds the um, haptic engine to it, so you can force touch the touch bar now. Oh, that'd be cool. It almost feels to me like the touch bar needs to go retina. Yeah, yeah, that's it, true. It just seems a little bit too low res for my liking. Um, I, I don't. I haven't heard many people complain about it, though, so maybe it's just me being overly picky, but it just feels like it needs its retina moment. Um, who knows maybe we'll get that as well I think <laughs> there's so many like hopes I'm pinning on this MacBook that I feel like I'm almost set for inevitable disappointment <laughs> it's a mythical key, key MacBook isn't it <laughs> this is it it's mythical so now I've just kind of formulated this perfect MacBook in my head and I know it can't possibly be that oh man um, if they announce an event next week and, it, and it's like the shape of the MacBook event the MacBook invite event I'm like thinking oh, oh man it's, it's the Dave Not event oh god <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, oh, I'm going to be so excited. I'm going to be so excited. So let's. Um, we're going to have to put a pin in this and start wrapping this up. Um, obviously, Daryl, you're doing a lot of podcasting. Do you want to just sort of tell our audience where, where they where they can find them, like what the shows are, what, what, what you're up to? T- tell us everything. Yeah, <laughs> everything. Okay, right, everything. Right. So, um, at the minute, there are two shows. One that's going on weekly at the moment called Pal Keys. It's every Friday, and I'm just kind of interviewing like a different guest. We have two main questions, a favourite game or favourite slash memorable boss stage. We have a lot of chat about their history, history of games and everything else as well. And it's been really good so far. I've had like a personal aim to have an episode every week this year and I've almost done it. I've almost done it. So um, yeah, when it's the end of December, I'm going to have a hiatus and just rest. It's going to be great. But so far, I'm about 43 episodes <laughs> in. It's fantastic. Um, so yeah, it's really good so far. Um, so yeah, it's Power Keys. You can find it everywhere and outpost show um so that's been going off and on um almost two years now which is ridiculous to me um it's in season three so it's pretty much a show that's based funnily enough around ipads would you believe all about that mythical ipad device and it's just about the guests with um 
certain iPads, how they use it, where they use it, hopes and dreams for the future, and also their experiences just in the past as well with it. And, you know, there's been, like, guests such as uh, Renee Ritchie, uh, Jim Dalrymple, uh, Mike Hurley. Um, it's been really great so far. I mean, it's been great. Um, it's on a bit of hiatus at the minute because... I think with our post show, I don't think it, it needs to be like every week or every fortnight. It can kind of appear when it wants to. So at the minute, it's having a rest, but I'm hoping to kind of resume it hopefully in a few months. Um, definitely when I settle down in this moving house anyway, because that's just been an annoyance to, <laughs> to manage podcasts with. Um, but yeah, those two podcasts you can find everywhere as well. And I also have a Patreon as well where you can listen to episodes a week earlier as well than um, as normal. So um, yeah, that's all good there. Well, thank you for coming on. I think, uh, considering how woefully unprepared we were, this turned out pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not a developer, so um, if this is the end of waiting for a review, it's been a great listen. It's been a great show. <laughs> <laughs> 